Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Trent Rincon on with us. He is the founder of Keep It Tight Recovery Systems, the clinical director of Fisher Institute. He has earned his MPT, CSCS, FRA, FRCMS, and is a certified dry needling specialist. He has worked with current and past athletes from all the major organizations, including the MLB, NFL, NBA, WNBA, PGA, and LPGA, as well as the UFC, NHL, X Games, and Olympians. Trent, thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Trent, uh, honestly, would you like to, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and give a little bit of a background about yourself? Sure, yeah. Uh, my name is Trent Rincon, like you said. I've been a physical therapist here. It'll be 18 years come October. Uh, I work currently now for the Fisher Institute, uh, which is a division of Spooner Physical Therapy and and been with them primarily my entire career. I did start out uh, at a small uh, orthopedic physical therapy clinic in Northern California, right out of school, and then came to Fisher uh, approximately six months later and have been with them and in different uh, entities with them too as well. And and like you mentioned, uh, with Kit Recovery Systems, uh, as my, my own uh, company, if you will, uh, as a way to speak to some of the things that I'm passionate about when it comes to health and fitness uh, in, in recovery uh, specifically too as well. So yeah, perfect. that's the, the short version, I guess. That's perfect. Now I'm sure we'll be able to talk and elaborate more on that. Absolutely. So yeah, kind of what got you into PT? How did you get introduced to that? And why did you kind of make that your career and explain a little bit of your career path? You did it shortly there, but could you go ahead and do that for us? No, absolutely. So uh, I have a unique experience. Most most people get into physical therapy, I feel like, because they got injured to, uh, in some capacity, and get, especially in the sports orthopedic world, that tends to be uh, the primary reason. Uh, I actually grew up in it. My dad's a physical therapist, uh, has his own practice in Northern California. In fact, it's where I had my first job out of school as I worked uh, for him. When I got hired, I think I made nine therapists at his clinic. Uh, I had the chance to... Um, you know, break out and actually started a satellite clinic uh, with uh, a tech. So I'd run up there, you know, a couple of times a week as I was finishing up the studying for my board exam. So that's kind of where I got started. Uh, I think through school, especially high school undergrad, I, I really, my, my dad exposed me and my mom, my parents in general exposed me to lots of different things. I just couldn't find anything else that I liked better. Uh, I, I obviously love sports. I, I love the opportunity to work with athletes, uh, pretending I think to be an athlete myself, uh, helped a lot with that too as well. So, you know, playing college baseball and being involved in, in that uh, was a big part of that, which kind of led me into, you know, the current uh, part of physical therapy that I'm in now. Um, yeah, that's, that's really where, where I've, I've got it. I have an uncle that's a physical therapist and several other family members that are in the industry as it will. And it, it's been something that uh, I just, I really couldn't get away from and didn't want to and didn't try 
because it tended to, to fit my personality. It fit the things that I wanted to be able to do, which was really have a chance to affect people's lives and become part of their journey in this crazy thing we call life uh, and have a chance really to see if I can improve on, on their goals and their, and their career paths uh, in, in the way that I, that I could and feel like maybe I was called to, to do this. So uh, I truly do feel like you know, in this situation, I, I, I was blessed to be put into some special areas and, and just try to, to capitalize on those as best I possibly can. No, that, that is great to know. Honestly, you're the first person on the podcast that's had like a non, like had someone influence them either not via injury. That was like your, like your father, who was a physical therapist. So that's yep. kind of a cool thing to see. Like, okay, this is someone that motivated you to see that. I exposed to it, obviously, at a very early age. And then continue throughout, and that kind of made you click ever since the beginning. So well, the really interesting cool. part too that I tell people a lot is that, um, you know, when I was interested in it, and my dad even has the drawing that I had when I was, a, I think it's in third grade that I drew that I would be a physical therapist, and I had drawn the plinth and the bolster and the guy with his leg up, you know, and this is what I want to be when I grow up, and and you know, through high school especially, I think he did a very good job, in my opinion, of really trying to push me in every which way but physical therapy. And it's, it's my understanding, uh, and especially because he did that, is because he wanted, if I was gonna do it, it was to be for the reasons that, that were for me and not just because it was my dad and it was comfortable and that's what I felt like I should do. Uh, he really, I think, made sure that the fact that it was something that I wanted to do. And so even when I went and they go, your freshman year in college and they try and you know, guide you and you take some of those tests and you know, what, what's the career path you should go, physical therapy really just was the way that it was. So, you know, I was pre-physical therapy, like, you know, most of us in, in your freshman and, and sophomore years, I chose to stay and do four years. This is at the time when you could do like a two plus three, you know, get your two year, uh, you know, undergrad, not your, your two years of recs and everything done and then apply to PT school. And I chose to stay four years and I actually got my degree in psychology. So I have a clinical or a bachelor's of science degree in psychology, uh, but it also let me play four years or three years of college baseball. So that's kind of why I, I chose to stay and went through that process. It wasn't planned out. I did a crazy amount of, of, of work in my senior year just to get qualified and definitely finished up a, a couple classes in the summer just to get everything done. So I have a psychology bachelor's and a PT master's. Uh, I tell people that I probably for my PT stuff, I use my psychology uh, schoolwork just as much. Uh, than I do at physical therapy, because as you know, and as you're learning, uh, physical therapy is just as much about uh, communication and reading and understanding people, both verbal and nonverbal, uh, finding ways to, to uh, problem solve and manage and, and understand where people are at in environments of pain and dysfunction. Uh, that's just as much uh, having to do with the psychological component as it is the physical component. So I felt lucky and blessed to actually choose that uh, beginning to my career too, as well. So, yeah. That is, no, that is really cool. Honestly, I, I feel like psychology is something that's vital in, in our role. And to be able to have that as your degree is going to be super useful. I'm sure that you had yeah, obviously said a ton and like to say yeah. that you, that you wanted to be a physical therapist at third grade, like I thought about it for a second. I don't even know if I was exposed to physical therapy yet. <laughs> at third grade. So right? that is awesome. Yeah. No. But I mean, like my dad was, you know, outpatient orthopedics and they had a family clinic that he was uh, involved with. So, you know, I'm a little kid running in that you see other people doing and jumping on the tables or wondering what dad's done with the ultrasound or, you know, back in the time with some of the Cybex equipment. And I mean, 
So yeah, I've, I've been around physical therapy for, for a long, long time and much not even more so than maybe my, uh, my clinical experience as an actual licensed physical therapist has said. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, one question I wanted to ask, so you were a staff physician for a while and then now you're a clinical director over, um, Fisher, which is a, a very much like sports oriented outpatient clinic. Could you give us a little bit of a, a reason what motivated you to make that jump? So this, this is actually the, the second time now that I've been uh, a director of physical therapy. So we used to, um, when, when, uh, before we joined Spooner, actually, Fisher had uh, two physical therapy clinics. We had one in Chandler and it was still same idea, but we didn't have the same setup. And, and I'll talk about the setup and Fisher sports here in the difference. But I, like I said, primary athletes and, and athletic uh, population, as it were, but we had a second clinic inside of a surgical hospital in Chandler, and I became the director of that clinic for two years. Uh, you know, things happen, life happens, things change. We, we didn't uh, continue with that clinic and, and was able to come back uh, at the main campus, so to speak, of Fisher and been there. And then with joining up of the Spooner Group, uh, went through the process of applying to become the director here and was uh, blessed to have the opportunity to, to choose that um, that career path as it will. Yeah, uh, definitely, uh, a choice and, and a different one in moving a little bit away from just being in the clinic and, and having a chance to spend some time, you know, more, uh, of your time balanced towards leadership and direction and finances and marketing, you know, which are, are out of the, uh, swing planes, if you will, for traditional physical therapy, especially, you know, those of you that are listening to this that are going to school, you know, we don't get a lot of that training, you know, in, in those particular areas, you know, if you if you grab, a, you know, at least one lecture, you know, on a couple of those, you're doing pretty good, I feel like in, in most things. And, you know, I went to school, you know, as you see, I have a master's, not a doctorate, my, my program changed the next year, you know, to the doctorate um, program. And so, you know, even, even then, you know, we still didn't have a lot of that um, business leadership type of development because you just don't have the time, really. Your, your time spent in, in the physical therapy realm and all the different avenues that we get to explore is certainly allocated, I feel like, in a lot of ways properly to try and make sure that we have enough balance to be able to do all the different avenues coming out of school that we want to choose to go in. And that's difficult to to add in a business side of it too, even though I do feel like it's it's uh, an important component of it for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, just finishing the didactic portion of my class, it's definitely power packed. Like, there's not a lot of free room to begin with, but yeah, I would love to have more of that, that marketing, more of the business side of it, but it's so hard to manage with so many things that we have yep. to learn to become clinicians. And I mean, just entry-level clinicians, not like, super in-depth yet. Right. But, and I think, I think that's okay. Uh, I you know I, there's a balance there, right? Because especially with physical therapy and medicine itself, sports medicine, I guess, if we'll stay in that realm is getting even more and more challenging and more and more, you know, uh, information out there with all the abilities now that we have to, to measure and to assess and to look at things and the body hasn't changed, you know, in its entirety, but we're, our understanding of it has continued to grow. And at least I like to think that's continued to grow. And so there's a ton of things that we need to have a really good grasp on uh, and throwing a business understanding or sense in there. You know, again, you only have so much time to grab so much information 
And, you know, it's hard to say that anyone is going to want to, to have that amount of business understanding. You know, I know this is going to have some components of entrepreneurship and, and leadership and business sense. Uh, but I don't know that if you're coming into, you're going into physical therapy, that that's truly everyone's goal with that, you know, just like it's not everyone's goal to go into say women's health, you know, or something like that. So you know, it's why, you know, you get exposure in PT school, but it really truly is, you know, what you do after graduation that you explore some of those particulars when it comes to those subspecialties for sure. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, one thing that you mentioned in there is that, so you, you were a clinical, rec- clinical director once before, and then it's now the second time. What is something just that you may have learned that first time that has has helped you feel better prepared in this second time? Oh boy. Uh, where, where do you want to start the list? Uh, you know, so the first time we were in a surgical hospital, so you have all of the components of hospital regulation and, and workarounds, you know, as it comes to having a PT clinic standalone, but inside of a, of a hospital, even though it's a small surgical hospital, you still have a lot of those same rules and regulations. So you're working through, you know, JCO certifications, for example, um, policy and procedures that need to be properly, you know, updated and, and stored and, and in the you know proper places and everything else, you know, to to now, you know, where we get to be just a standalone physical therapy clinic, but a lot of the same challenges are still there. Uh, I think the takeaways are you know, managing people and knowing that that's always going to be the most challenging thing, you know, choosing to be in leadership just really means that you're choosing to deal with more, more problems, you know, things go well, things go great. And that's, that's fantastic. But those are rarely the things that you get to spend a lot of time and and efforts on. It's, it's dealing with the 10 to 15 to 20 or however many employees that you have that are directly reporting to you you're dealing with all of their challenges that they don't have the ability to, to work onto their own. And so that can be a lot, especially when you're still seeing patients too as well. And your, your, your overall goal is to deal with their problems and then find fixes and, and solutions for them on a physical level and then deal with the problems of, of employees or, you know, or of people that are above you too as well and how to communicate uh, properly and efficiently with those people. So I think probably for me, the one thing I learned the most is the communication component uh, from the first time to the second time and knowing how that world has to work and, and communication as a, as a whole. And I know it's, it is a buzzword, it is a cliche, it is all those things. I think it's the how you do it that can be important and that you do it in general. You know, small little email, a small little text message, uh, a phone call, goes a long ways. If you think about it and you think that this might be being important, you're not going to over overdo it in my opinion when it comes to communication. It's always nice to have or to be on the same page with somebody or have a way to reach out and communicate, you know, efficiently and succinctly with somebody so that everyone is understanding where that that particular decision or situation is going to go. Um, you know, from there Time management is is the other challenge that, you know, I know that we're going to probably get into some more of that too as well, but time management is something that also becomes a challenge because as you shoot into leadership, you know, finding time to do your documentation, uh, finding time to make sure that you continue to have your sanity, 
uh, that you're not just looking at your cell phone or going through your emails or trying to, you know, check off people's time offs or, you know, requested punches because they missed a, a sign in for, a, you know, their, um, their workload or whatever, you know, those things are, are constant. So finding ways to, to get out and, and continue to be the person that you actually need to be for your employees and for your patients, that, that is a challenge uh, that never goes away. Yeah. And I mean, would you like, be able to elaborate a little bit on that? You mentioned about time management. I know that's something that like, as you're treating it, as well as being a clinical director, that has to be management in and of itself of time, but also just the family component, everything else you have going on. How have you, what have you learned in the time management process? Uh, you know, having a schedule is a big deal. You know, it's it easy for those that are type A and that live on a schedule to begin with. You know, those are, those are you, you know, and you might be this, uh, you know, I don't know that if uh, you know, you're someone that has everything color coded and tabbed and three by five carded and, you know, for all your classes. And, you know, if, you, if you're not that person, you know, that one or two people in your class that are that way, you know, they, they do a really good job in time management because they're so detail oriented that that component of it is, is um, really well done for them. I know my, my parallel to that is when we work in physical therapy, you have people that are either highly stable, AKA tight or highly mobile or AKA flexible. You know, and our job is always trying to find a happy medium for those individuals. You know, if you're super flexible, how do I find some more stability? If you're super stable, AKA tight, how do I find some more flexible mobility? I think it's the same paradigm, you know, for us in time management, if you do it really, really well, how do you find less structure so you can have some freedom to just be a person and a human being if you're not you know that person at all and you're just kind of willy-nilly you've got to find some structure in your life to to really allow yourself to be efficient and not waste all the time you know doing things that are maybe you know aren't going to allow you to be the best person that you are for either one side you know with the work life or your your home life you know that you're trying to balance and 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 weigh some of those things. I think the other thing that can come into that is knowing that there are seasons of time and seasons of lots of amount, lots of work. And there are going to be seasons where there's things that are less and to really lean into that fact, you know, with, with this becoming the director, you know, I became the director uh, the end of February, 2020. And as we all know now, what happened in 2020, you know, and becoming a director and becoming a part of a new company, you know, that was, that was a whole new experience for every single one of us. But, you know, for my personal experience, you know, walking into 2020 you know, at literally into March and having basically two weeks of work, and then all of a sudden, you know, that change in our country and our world hit you know, that, that became a very unique situation that I don't know that, you know, you learn a lot and you walk away from it, but you don't know how much of it you get to apply, you know, to, to anything other than you get to chalk it up to what it was in 2020 and, and see what you can take from it and move forward. So I, I think with that said, how do I, I think for me, the priority is how do I find time, at least for me, for myself to find enjoyment and to find R&R, whatever that looks like. You know, to me, R&R rarely is getting a chance to lay on the couch and, and do nothing. I don't really sit still well, but I, you know, if I can get out and prioritize, you know, a bike ride or a hike or, you know, just something that 
usually ends up being something by myself because like the things we're talking about, if you're involved in management and around people and then you're a physical therapist, you're giving your thoughts and your opinions and your expertise from the time your first patient starts to the time your last patient starts. And if you add in management and clinical, you know, reasoning type of opportunities throughout the day, you're ready to just have someone talk to you and to not really want to communicate with anybody, at least for a short amount of time. And I think it's recognizing that sooner than later will be a huge key to your success for a long period of time. And being able to find 30 minutes, an hour, if that's a workout, if that's just time in your car, if that's a, you know, listening to something that's not music, because all you hear all day long is, is music or whatever that looks like is find the opposite. Just like we do in PT. If someone, you know, in, in a very dirty sense, if someone sits all day, how do I find a way to get them extended? You know, if someone has, happens to run a certain way, how do I find a way to, to give them the opposite paradigm so I can find some balance? This is no different. If I'm around people 24 seven, I gotta find some time where I can be not around people for a little bit. So my time with people is actually really worth something and I'm looking to enjoy myself when I'm with those people, even if it's the one that I, ones that I love. And especially if it's those, if it's my you know, significant other, if it's my, my parents, you know, my, my siblings, you know, those people all deserve my best too as well. But if I spend you know, 10, 12 hours a day giving my opinions and talking to clients and talking with people's pains and problems, and if I'm really good at what I do, that just means that I get to deal with higher levels of pain, higher levels of problems. Uh, so, you know, it's a blessing and a curse uh, that takes it out of you. And, and I think finding a way to, to still enjoy that and to find the, the, the joy in that really comes with how you manage your time away from that. Uh, and, and everyone's going to have an opinion on it. And that's hard uh, when everyone's going to tell you, well, you should shut it down. You should, you should take a break. You should do this. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You should. Uh, luckily I do. I like what I do a lot and, and I do find ways to shut it down. It just may not be the way that somebody thinks is appropriate and you gotta be okay with that because everyone's going to have a thought on how you should do it. Oh, that's, that's a lot of information right there. And that was great. I love the, the analogy that you had of being too mobile or too stable and trying to find that middle balance and the same thing with our lives and everything. I think yep. that's a great thing that us physical therapists can see, but also try to apply that to our lives as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you also, so you mentioned about your clinic and everything, and you have a lot going on there, obviously. Could you give us a little bit of an explanation about the clinic and the layout? Honestly, I was able to, to be there for a little bit during my clinical, and it was super cool to see the layouts. I think it's a unique one comparatively to a lot of other places. Could you go ahead and describe it and why you guys chose that? Yeah, sure. I mean, and it's really, it's the reason why it brought me to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you know, my, my dad actually met Brett uh, at a, at a Gary Gray conference and, and asked if they took students and I was able to do an internship myself. That's really how I got exposure. And then when I was leaving my internship, you know, I asked if I would be able to come back when I finished up school. And so, you know, lucky for me, I was able to, to make that work. And because the setting to me is so unique, uh, in, in what it is, you know, especially when it comes to places throughout the country, uh, you know, and being, being blessed to be able to travel, you know, a fair amount and to know what's, what's out there. And you're seeing more and more places like it, but, you know, it, it is a standalone privately owned physical therapy outpatient orthopedic clinic that has a specialty in sports performance and sports rehabilitation. So uh, the facility itself is nearly 20,000 square feet, open floor plan uh, with 
We don't have actually a private treatment room. Um, we have some capabilities to do that if need be, but because of our clientele and the space that we need, we don't really prioritize that in this particular setting. Um, and you walk in, uh, it's a gym feel, a gym area with the music that's playing and the equipment that you're gonna see and, uh, combined with an indoor field uh, and an outdoor covered uh, pitching mound hitting area uh, that lets us have the opportunity to service, if you will, uh, several different types of athletes. Our primary two sports being baseball and football, but like you said in my in my bio, that's all with mostly with Fisher, is you know the ability to work through several different types of athletes and meet them where they are and adapt you know, whatever we have in our, in our facility to really meet some of those needs of these high level athletes or those that are, you know, junior high, younger than that, uh, high school, college, uh, and in between. So. Yeah, no, it was honestly such a cool um, opportunity to be there. Cause it's a, it's a massive facility, at least in my opinion of ones that I've seen and to be able to see uh, athletes, be able to perform and do things, not just in a condensed area, but truly on there, like any of the NFL players that are out there doing things, on the field almost as, as if they were doing things normally. That's such a unique thing. I think it's such a valuable thing to incorporate in physical therapy, especially in sports performance. Um, I agree. I mean, for me, we talk about, you know, being an athlete and being in sports performance and, and doing that. And I think most clinics, especially when you're orthopedic, somehow there's sports woven into your name somehow. Uh, and yet I don't know that most of us outside of YouTube or, you know, watching professional sports in person actually have the opportunity to see up close and personal how these freaks of nature, uh, to, to borrow a, a, a description, actually move and perform. And for most of us, you know, we think we know, but until you stand next to it and so you can, you know, watch and see them do some of the things that you know how difficult or how challenging it is, and yet you watch them move and, and, and function, it truly is unique to see it in that framework, just like you mentioned, being there and having the comparison of, okay, this is what an exercise looks like, you know, for example, a dead bug, you know, this is what a dead bug looks like to most people in traditional physical therapy, but this is how I would adapt it in a sports training and conditioning aspect, you know, for a high level athlete and watch him perform it or her perform it at the same capacity level as the person doing, you know, the low level, low mat dead bug, you know, you get a true sense of understanding of what has to happen in the middle of all that. And I can see the progression from ground zero to the top of the, of the mountain, so to speak. Yeah, no, like it's, it's truly a different level and it's something so cool to see and to be able to experience. Yep. Um, so you mentioned like, that you went there and you got exposed to Fisher through an internship and worked there. Um, and yep. then as you were starting to become a clinical director, why did you decide to go with Fisher Institute as compared to possibly opening up your own private practice? Why did that entice you to go there and stay there? Oh, it's a wonderful question, JT. Um, and I get asked that all the time. Like, okay, when are you going to go do your own thing? You know, when is uh, Rincon's sports Institute going to, going to pop up? Um, it's a great question. I think there's lots of answers to it and lots of different ways we can go down. Uh, you know, I think for me, growing up and having a family business, 
that is still a big part of my life. You know, I still have my license in California too. You know, whenever I go home, it's a family business. I still jump into the clinic and, and, and treat patients with my dad uh, and I'll get some, get some thoughts, uh, have the chance to get on the table, get on patients, get my hands on people, you know, and, and, and to do that. Uh, but also working through all of the intricacies of owning a business. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen the need or the desire for me to have to run down that road to prove something to myself, uh, at least as of yet. I, I feel very content and very satisfied with the opportunity to take something that I've been blessed to, to join, you know, that is the Fisher Institute and that is, you know, what we've now become with Spooner uh, Physical Therapy and have the chance to take something that's been developed to a certain level and then see if we can't now build on it even further, you know, and having the chance to, to lead that direction you know, at this time right now in my life, my career, I don't see the necessity uh, to put myself through some of those challenges. And I think, you know, starting your own business, I totally get it. You know, and this is the best country in the world to, to want to go do that, lay out your shingle and see what I can do and see how I can, uh, how I can live my life and, and have a chance to say so, be my own boss. And I don't want to answer to anybody else. I can completely understand and respect that. Uh, and, and that part of it doesn't bother me. Uh, in fact, I like having the collaboration of people that I get to work with, you know, from those that I, you know, that I speak with that are, you know, my bosses and those that I get to work with as peers, you know, with the staff that I get to work with. Uh, it, it truly is a blessing for me and it's still fulfilled to me uh, you know, in the opportunities that I have right now. So, you know, not, not to poo-poo anybody or anything else that wants to go do that. I also think that the challenge and the chances are still so unique with what we have. You know, I, I love the ability that at almost any time you can have a professional athlete, you know, in the building and they're there for a particular reason and because of the um, reputation and the continued success of clients that come through our door, you know, that Brett has started and continues to do and be able to work alongside, you know, the staff that, uh, that he has created and started and then to add and to build onto that is still a, a pretty unique opportunity in my opinion. Um, that I think that's why I still am continuing in this path, in this direction with this opportunity versus, you know, the uh, numerous opportunities that have been put in front of me, you know, at this point in my life, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, to have such a unique opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's other challenges too, right? And in, in starting your own business that it's, it's not always as easy as I think that it is, presented to be, you know, getting insurance contracts so you can see people and bill insurance is a very challenging situation. And they don't just give those out to anybody just because you want to start your own place. Uh, you know, managing people, uh, human resources challenges that, that come in, you know, owning your building or renting your building, equipment, rentals or owning, uh, you know, that, that all becomes part of that situation. So, you know, you think you have stress now with trying to manage and get your documentation done, you know, and, and go home and enjoy your family, you know, add a business to that component too, as well. You know, yeah, it, it's, it's just a different challenge. And I think some people own it and look to it and want to define their lives that way. And, you know, God, God bless them. That's why this country is as great as it is. In my opinion is because people want to go and do that. And I think it's awesome. You know, obviously, you know, Brett Fisher did that and that's why I get to be part of his team. And, and then Tim Spooner did that. 
so I get to be part of his team and, and continue in that fashion. So well, that is awesome. Um, and I guess something that I, a question that I wanted to ask that it's a very popular word nowadays is, is mentorship. And you kind of mentioned your dad and being able to go back to him and, and learn from him. We also mentioned Brett. Can you talk about mentorship and if you've had mentors throughout your career, what is that value brought to your career and into your life? Sure. Uh, I think, I mean, number one, everyone should and, and needs to have a mentor in some capacity or another. So whatever that looks like, and, uh, and, and I think anyone would tell you, I'm sure the others that you're going to interview and talk to, those of, you know, those of you that you see as people that you you know, have leaders in your life, you know, they're, they are out there. And I think mentorship is unique. It doesn't mean they're necessarily your best friend 24 seven. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're going to give you all the information for all parts of your life. Uh, but I think finding people that are authority figures that think along the same lines or, or don't and challenge you in different directions to think and ask better questions. To me, that's what it's all about. So, you know, for me, mentorship, you know, yeah, my dad, number one, hard to argue with anything there. I, I am more than blessed to have a, an unbelievable relationship with him, uh, see him as a forever mentor and one that because I am his son, he's stuck with me. He can't really, you know, you know, I'm not paying the bills anymore. So I don't have to, you know, be a mentor by turning a phone call. See, he has to. So uh, we get a chance to talk, you know, on a, on an almost daily basis on all things clinical and he's still being in the clinic you know, I just did a, a consult with him over the weekend on a client that he had for some programming, you know, of, of a kid that he's got that's a higher level, you know, athlete. And so being able to sit and do that and then his specialty in hands as well. So I'll give him a call. Hey, I got this, this guy with this hand issue. What do you think? You know, did I miss anything? Uh, you know, that kind of opportunity is hard to match. And that's hard to tell somebody, you know, if you don't have that experience, you know, I don't really know how to tell somebody to go find that. Um, but I think there's others that are out there too as well, you know, and I look at, uh, you know, Brett Fisher, you know, for me has been a mentor, being able to work alongside him, to work with him, you know, obviously as an employee in several different fashions, you know, I was actually his student, you know, when I was an intern too as well. So I have that experience uh, and, and now a colleague, uh, that kind of is invaluable to, you know, especially the clinical side and then the business ownership side too as well get to learn a lot of things from there. Um, you know, one of my peers, you know, he and I, he's been a Fisher probably you know, two years longer than I have. Uh, but I still feel like, you know, we're, we're tied at the hip in so many different ways is, is uh, K2, Keisuke Kano, uh, who's to say that he's a good physical therapist, I think, I, a therapist I think is an understatement, uh, but probably one of the most humble uh, people that you'll ever meet, but one of the more skilled you know, people and, and individuals that I've had the chance to be around in, in all parts of, of, of life uh, and, and have been able to, to sit and to listen and to watch him work and, and to handle people and handle situations, ask tough questions uh, and, and take construct, you know, constructive criticism. Uh, those are rare things, I think, in this world that you don't get a chance to always see or experience. So I think for me, you know, having at least those three people, you know, there, and I could speak to others, you know, too, as well. My uncle is a physical therapist, and I actually worked with was his tech for a long time before I went into PT school, uh, and he and I still talk, you know, shop and, and compare notes when it comes to physical therapy, uh, 
and then man, several, several others that I, you know, like this, listen to podcasts and, and try and, you know, see what else I can, I can grab from those that are doing things in this, in this space that I think uh, are really trying to progress our profession in the right areas. Uh, I think you can always learn somebody, something from anybody. Uh, at least that's my attitude. And so trying to meet and speak with people, even especially those that don't think or don't believe the same way I do. I, I think that's important. Uh, because it forces you to really know what you're doing and know why you're doing it. It also forces you to really consider um, the other side of the coin, so to speak. Uh, and I mean, that can be, I think, something that maybe is a life skill. But I think in, in the physical therapy space, if you don't think that, you know, for example, that dry needling is something that physical therapists should be doing, how come? You know, wh what is the experience or what is the reasoning? Or you don't think that physical therapy should be doing, you know, joint manipulation or sorry, high velocity, low amplitude thrust is what I can say in this state. Um, you know, you don't think that should be happening. How come? You know, what's, what's the reasoning? Is it just because you believe that way? Or, you know, is there a discussion that we had there that actually can be a learning experience for what that looks like? You know, I think us as physical therapists need and should do a better job in coming together as a group of physical therapists first, realizing that a lot of us have different skill sets and different goals and different ideas, but we've all gone through, you know, this physical therapy school. We all are experts in the, you know, muscle, muscle skeletal system and the nervous system, you know, these three systems that we have you know, one of the highest levels of expertise in, uh, I think we need to have a better cohesiveness when it comes to that. And I think part of that is finding mentors and finding abilities to, to ask hard questions of each other so we can all get better versus just trying to tear each other apart and, and really not come together as a profession. Sorry, that went kind of on a soapbox too, but hopefully there's some more things that people can grab from that. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I, I liked the portion that you mentioned about talking to people that have different thought process or thought processes on that, because you're able to truly understand why you're doing it and not just do it because everyone does it. It's it, you found that it's been, it's provided a benefit to your patients and that why you're doing it, you can explain and not just do it because that's what yeah. the trend of physical therapy is doing. I think that's something that I've, I've been able to take away from, from the Brett Fishers of the world, from the, from the K2s of the world is these, these people, they, they just really ask wonderful questions. And just because it's the cool thing to do right now, or it's you know, the latest Instagram trend or you know, this hashtag there, it's not jumping into that with two feet. It's like, okay, but why is that good? You know, what, what are some of the things that I can take away from this? If I step back and I look at this, is this something that's just being repackaged? Is this something that I can take something and learn from on a higher level? Uh, you know, where can I find some abilities to grow as a person from this. Uh, and I think those are things that we all can do better at continually uh, and, and accepting those that believe differently than us to know that that's okay. You know what? I can't unfortunately treat every single person in this world or in this country or in this city, you know? So how do I find other people that can relate or touch or become part of people's lives that are the people that I can't reach, you know, and, and there are other people's and other personalities and other skill sets that are going to have that ability. 
you know, I just need to have more of those people in my life and be okay with maybe not seeing the whole world eye to eye with that person. No, that makes, that makes complete sense to me. That's, that's really good. Um, so another question that I wanted to follow up with is you kind of shared a little bit about experiences in becoming an entrepreneur. Um, what motivated you to do that with um, keep it tight and those kind of experiences? What, what opened up that idea to you and, and what are some of the goals that you have in the future? Yeah. Uh, you know, I got pushed and I'm still getting pushed in that, in that avenue to do some more, more with it. Uh, I think as you'll find with joining into now that you're going to push away from school and all the different things that pull you into different areas of school, as you jump into your physical therapy career, you're going to find things that interest you uh, over others. Uh, and, and you're going to find things that I think start to drive you and really motivate you. They just, you wake up in the morning and those are things that you're thinking about, you know, in your daily routine. Uh, you know, for me, I didn't really think what I was doing. And I honestly, I still don't think that I'm doing anything crazy, but the more that I talk to people or the more that I talk to athletes or see things that are out there, it's like, mm, okay, maybe, maybe there are some things to this that I can share and bring to, to light that maybe can help people experience the things that they really love on a higher level. If, if, if I can share some of my experiences and my knowledge into what has now become, you know, keep it tight recovery. Uh, you know, I had some really positive influences by some friends of mine that pushed me to, to start sharing some of these things. And that's where keep it tight started. Uh, you know, I, I jumped right away into some retail stuff, you know, cause I, I, compression was a big thing for me and it wasn't being done at all at the time. Uh, so, you know, some clothing companies that have some compressive gear, you know, some other companies that had some electrical type STEM units that had some recovery components, like anything recovery, I just started, you know, running to, okay, what's out there? What's, what's going on, you know, in this space uh, and, and just started to compile an experience. For me, I'm an experienced person in, in a lot of ways. So if it's nutrition, I want to, I want to taste it. I want to, I want to have a chance to, to experience what it does to my body in a, in a performance side or in a recovery side. If it's, you know, a stim unit, if it's uh a massage technique, if it's a special drink, I want to know what it does so I can have a, a, an experience with it so I can share that with an athlete. Um, I, the funny part about that is, is I'm also somebody that says, well, if it didn't work for you and it gave you these major problems, I'm good. I don't really need to experience that part of it myself, you know, so I can be empathetic in a lot of ways of knowing that if I throw a brick at you, it's going to hurt. I don't really need to experience that brick too, just to confirm that it's going to hurt. So I think that's where the entrepreneurship came from it is just a chance to compile uh, some expertise that I seem to be developing for my own, because those were things that I was interested in. I, I really find it entertaining and somewhat spiritual to see if I can challenge myself on a personal level to do a variety of different things and in close proximity to each other. You know, triathletes tend to do that on a high level. And I've done some of that, uh, you know, in, in my life, you know, from fitness and, and different uh, bodybuilding competition type things to, you know, you, you name it. I've probably at least tried 
some component of that and, and how do I, but how do I do those of those things in a short space and jump into different friend groups to, to enjoy some of those things, at least at the highest level that I can do it. You know, it, it, it somewhat is that cliche of jack of all trades, but master of none. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, the, the master trade that I want to be in is can I recover at the highest level from all these different things that I'm not very good at, you know? So maybe that's what I'm looking <laughs> at it as, is can I continue to enjoy, you know, travel and experience life uh, in a way and, and still come back and still walk in and see my clients, you know, on a high level and then share those experiences when it's warranted and do that. So that's kind of where my, my company, I guess, if you want to call it that has, has come from and my interest in recovery, especially has come from and, and it continues, you know, and now, you know, 10 years later, recovery is everywhere. It's a buzzword. You know, I kind of missed it to a certain extent. It's like, you know, Apple started and I didn't invest and, and, and dang it, you know, I, I had that idea way back when. Um, I don't think I missed the boat, but, you know, I probably could have done more with it at that time. And I think maybe the lesson to be learned is like, you know, I'm still doing it. I'm still here. Just because I didn't invent, you know, Normatech or Theragun or anything like that doesn't mean that I'm still not in this space and I still get to try a lot of these things and experience these things. And, you know, the opportunities that, uh, you know, Fisher Sports has allowed me to, to put forward because of my now expertise and, and ability in that realm and the access that I have to a lot of these athletes that, you know, are important to some of these companies continues to lend itself to, to some of these opportunities too as well. So, you know, now, now recovery has turned into biohacking, you know, and, and ways to improve your performance and your health in, in, in different ways that maybe aren't necessarily well-known or, or norms. You know, Dave Asprey has kind of coined that term, at least he's the one that says that. So, you know, and then taking other guys like Ben Greenfield uh, and, and others in this space that really are starting to expound on these areas of superhuman performance uh, in, in multiple different areas and really applying it to those of us that just want to be better at the things we do for as long as we possibly can. Uh, I, I think that's kind of where this continues to go for me. Yeah. I mean, it's just from this talk right here, you can tell how passionate you are about recovery. I mean, we might have to bring you on to the podcast again, just to talk about <laughs> some of the importance like, and the things of value that you learn in recovery in the physical therapy process, because that's such a, a key component. So yeah, we might have to talk about that again because I feel like there's a lot to, to uncover with that. There is, um, and I'm doing my best to bite my tongue so we don't jump down some of those rabbit holes uh, right now. So that, that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think we'll have to, have to bring you back on again to talk about some of those things that you've learned. Um, but yeah, I guess there's a couple other things to, to ask you just to wrap up. What are some of the things that you'd say to an inspire, aspiring clinician to get to where you're at, to get to, to have these experiences that you're having? What are some important things that they can do now? If they're early on, if they're still in school or a new grad, what are some important things that they could do at this moment to best prepare themselves? It's a wonderful question. Uh, I've been trying to think about it, how I could answer it the most succinctly and the most efficiently. And I don't know that there, there is an answer like that. Uh, I, I think my, my advice, or if I would look back and what I would do better myself is to continue to, to walk through doors that are experiential and know that every experience that I have may not always be my most favorite. You know, it's like, you know, if you have kids, you know, and every meal needs to be dessert. Well, the problem is if every, every meal is dessert, take away the, 
nutritional component of it, you know, that dessert doesn't become as special anymore. And so, you know, just because you don't find your dream job in your first job or your second job, those experiences are still going to allow you success in the future. And they're really building you to what that is going to be coming down the road. And I think it's knowing and having faith, especially in this wonderful country that we have, that that door is going to open at some point if that truly is your goal. If your goal is to be in professional sports at some moment in time, but you don't happen to walk through the perfect sports performance facility, you know, Fisher Sports Institute or, or what it may be in a different location of the country, that doesn't necessarily mean that you still can't be the best sports physical therapist in your local area that may allow you to jump into your high school or a club team or, you know, a, a local junior college and you start making connections, this whole job and this whole experience is truly about the connections that you're gonna have and develop through these people. You know, what you know is certainly important and it gets you, you know, into some certain environments and, and how you can relay that to, to clients and to your, your patients is super important. But the connections that you make with your peers around you and those wonderful connections that you continue to have you know, small amounts of, uh, of those things are going to turn out at some point into super big opportunities. Now, I think that the, the chances are is don't, don't miss those. You know, I, I've been able to, to now watch Brett Fisher give more people opportunities in professional sports than I could ever imagine. It's really cool to see, you know, trainers and fitness people that he just feels like there's going to be a connection in the right area with personalities, nothing to do with skill sets. And it really was little to do with skill set other than the fact that they could do a good job, but could they meet the personality that they were gonna walk into correctly and have watch him set this person up and that person up and that person up into dream jobs uh, is pretty cool to see you know, him do that. And so I, I think knowing that it's, just about finding ways to be genuine and authentic in the connections that you make and knowing that those connections that you continue to have are going to start to open doors that you didn't even realize were even there for you to begin with. Uh, I think those that try and force those doors open tend to bang their heads against the wall because you tend to run down some of these avenues that you think you need to go versus, you know, yeah, I'm going to go join the local orthopedic group and do a wonderful job. And then when another opportunity comes up, I'm going to take that opportunity. And then when opportunity opens up that opportunity, I'm gonna go to that opportunity. And I, I look back at my career the next five, six years, and I've got you know two wonderful, good experience jobs that now led me to the one that I have in that third or fourth one too. So, you know, I, I know my, my situation is unique. I walked into what I think is my perfect job as basically my first job. I mean, that I, I understand that more than anybody, I think is that's rare. And, and I don't think that that's fair to expect that of yourself in each situation. Um, but it is there, you know, it's, it's finding those opportunities and knowing that, Hey, when I finished school within six months, there was a job available. You know, they didn't make one for me. There was one that was available that I was able to walk in and have the chance to do that. That doesn't always happen. You know, unfortunately, official sports doesn't always have job openings. You know, the other clinics that are out there don't always have job openings all the time. And I think that's for a good reason, not a bad reason.
and, and taking those opportunities to have the nose be an experience to know that, okay, there's a bigger and better yes where I'm supposed to be down in the future. Yeah, no, I like that. Like the importance of, of making the most of each opportunity that you're given. Cause I think we are given multiple opportunities throughout our lives to, to grow and progress and to be able to, to find that, that opportunity. Cause yeah, if we get out of our comfort zone, whether like whatever it is, we're going to grow. That's how it always is. And so I love that, that aspect that you're sharing about that, to be able to seek that um, and make the most of each opportunity. Cause eventually yeah. it will help us out to get to where we need to. It, it will. I just see the over-focus sometimes, especially in, in our world on wanting to be on, wanting to be in sports and wanting to be in athletes. And the focus always seems to be on achieving that versus the focus on being present where you're at at the time. It's, it's okay to have dreams and goals. And I think it's, it's a, a certainly um, needs to happen. It needs to be a driving force for you, but if you're solely focused on just the future, you miss the experiences that are going to happen in the present. And I think that's a rare thing of someone that can actually be present in the situation that they're at currently. The better you are at that in every situation, then I think you're going to see uh, more opportunities in your goals and in your dreams in the future. That is awesome. No, thank you for sharing that. Um, is there, I guess, any addition for a final question? Is there any additional information or advice you'd like to share um, with everybody listening? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've kind of done a good job, I think, on, on a lot of soapboxes at this point. Um, I guess to, to, to put it uh, into a, a whole, you know, talking about entre- entrepreneurship and leadership and, and finding ways to jump into those roles. I think having real talks with yourself early on, kind of like we just talked about with having dreams and goals and having those not always be the focus, but having those, you know, having those written down somewhere, you know, having those ideas in the back of your head, okay, this is what I want to do in three years. This is what I do want to do in five years. You know, I think those are important things to have, uh, but they don't need to be the focus on the daily basis for you because those things can be out of focus for sure if you're concentrating on those things. But I think that the opportunity to take every experiences as they come, both the good and the bad, not being afraid to make some mistakes, uh, listening to those that have been doing it longer than you, uh, you know, and, and really trying to grab their experiences uh, are super important. And, and then spending time on, on being a better person, you know, in, in every which way. Uh, you know, here I am pretending to be an athlete still, you know, was a former athlete at one point. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think our job is highly physical. I think there are important aspects to say that we still should be training and practicing what we preach uh, for, for a career, uh, you know, and that's hard. But I feel like if I'm going to ask my patient to try and spend time doing their home program or prioritizing their goals in their job, I need to be able to at least do that for myself in my job. And if I work in sports performance, if I work in athletics, and yet I can't prioritize some of those things for myself, that discussion, I think, becomes more difficult. Now that you can't do it, but it becomes more difficult, especially on a sustainability level. Uh, you know, this job is hard. This job is active. Uh, but, you know, here I've been doing it for 18 years, and I feel like I can go for at least 18 more, you know, because of the intentional practice of training 
for what I do. So yes, I enjoy all these crazy things with bikes and runs and swims and crazy hikes and stupid 24 hour and multi weekend events and that kind of thing. But I think all those things still come back to, I have to go to work on Monday morning and be a wonderful physical therapist, which means I need to be strong. I need to be mobile. I need to have a high sustainability to stand on my feet for a long period of time. I need to be able to concentrate under fatigue. Those sound like athletes to me. Uh, and, and if I can't prioritize some of those things on my level, for me, I have a hard time asking my patient to do the same thing if I can't do it myself, because there's no reason why I'm more busy than my patient. And if I assume that, then I think you've already missed the mark in that situation. So it doesn't mean that all of us need to be professional athletes, but if you happen to be an annual therapist and you don't prioritize you know, technique, and I don't prioritize my ability of my hands and wrists and elbows and strengthen those particular areas, you know, you're going to be that physical therapist with the, with the thumb spike on or the wrist brace on, you know, because those things eventually are going to turn into dysfunctions, just like everybody else. You know, the, the body's only going one or two ways, right? We know it's either getting better or it's getting worse. You know, unfortunately, that's just how, you know, we, we function in this life. And so trying to, to lessen those effects as our jobs take our toll, I think the earlier that you can do that, the, the longer and more joyful career you're going to have and, and the more people that you're going to be able to, to affect and change. If you can't work, you're not helping people. You're becoming the person that needs to be helped. And that's okay, not, not to piss anybody off, but uh, I, I would prefer much, much more to be the person that's helping people if I can than to be one on the table. Uh, if I yeah. Can. No, I think practicing what you preach is so, so vital for, for not like, be able to share that with the patient, but also to get patient buy-in, I think, is another aspect of that. If, you're, if they can see that you're actively doing things and, and – you're willing to step up to what you know is important for your lifestyle to be able to maintain a high quality of life, then they're going to have that buy-in as well. So I love yeah. that. I love that a lot. Yeah. I mean, if I, my patient, you know, I mean, again, I can go on this topic for such a long time. I think it's super, super important, but you know, if you can't drink your water and you can't eat your proper micronutrients and concentrate on your own mobility uh, and yet you're going to walk in on, on Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and really work on patients that have not been doing these things. Uh, that's so hard. I mean, accidents happen and injuries happen, no doubt about it. And that's what we're here for too as well. But I think we're finding, and if you haven't figured that out yet, you will in a hurry, that a lot of these things can be prevented and lessened in the severity by some of the choices that we make. And the earlier that you can make those choices, uh, the better off you're going to be able to respond. You know, we talk so much in physical therapy about prehab, right? We love prehab. You know, if you can come in and get a little stronger before your surgery, your results after surgery are that much better. And we talk about the evidence to that and the opportunities to that. This is the same thing. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And that's the only difference. So if I can be prepared, you know, in a better, much better fashion to when an injury may or may not happen, then my recovery and my outcome afterwards is going to be that much better. Yeah, no, I, and honestly, it sounds like we have another podcast ready for to talk about uh, <laughs> Good. recovery with PTs and also recovery with our services that we provide. Yeah, that could be cool. No one's talking about physical therapy and recovery and, and uh, what we can do for ourselves. Maybe that's something we can, uh, we can dovetail on for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's interested in talking with you, what is the best way to contact you? What, what are some modes of communication that they could reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, definitely. You can email me, uh, my email, uh, t.rincon, R-I-N-C-O-N at spoonerphysicaltherapy.com is a great way. 
Uh, I mean, I guess everyone's using Instagram now. So if you want, you can uh, slide into my DMs as it were uh, on Instagram. It's kit recovery, uh, which is my handle. I guess that's what it would be. And you can, you can slide in there and reach out to me there too, as well. I think I, I respond pretty well to both of those. Um, yeah, those are good spots. That's perfect. And it was, was it Spooner PT or Spooner Physical Therapy? I forgot that. Was... Spooner PT. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Per- yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, Trent, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. I love this. I'm going to look forward to like listening back to this and I hope everyone that's listening can find value in this. And in the future, obviously we'll talk about some recovery with PT and, and our services that we provide as well. Thank you so much for coming on. You bet JT. Looking forward to it, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.